thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. We need to know our onions and actually we need to know our value. If you know your value, then you definitely know your onions because the Bible tells us our value is that God so loved the world he gave his only son for you. Your value is the son of God. You need to know your onions. So today, we don't know our onions, some of us, when it comes to knowing what peace is all about. And today's title of God is Jehovah Shalom, not Jehovah Shalot. Jehovah's your lot, that's quite important. But Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is peace. Do you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Gideon, and I talked about locusts. And Gideon was in a horrible place. The Israelites, if you like, were in a horrible place. They were oppressed. They were attacked. They were having everything stolen from them. They were living in a time that was awful. They worked hard and worked hard and everything was taken. And actually, the Midianites were oppressing. And that was where Adonai was used. Master. Master. In other words, I don't belong to Midian. I don't belong to this situation. I mean, I belong to the Lord. But this morning... That story continues. So we're going to look at the end of that story from Judges chapter 6. And it says this, Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 24. A little bit of a strange incident. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. He was desperate to keep it to himself because everything was being stolen. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Remember this, yeah? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go, In the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I'm not going to speak on this. Isn't that interesting? God waits. God waits for us to be ready. This morning, you might not feel ready, but God waits. And he waits. You might sometimes think you're waiting on God, but he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to, to be ready, to be in that place. He's waiting for you to be where you need to be. It goes on to say this, Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an effort of flour, he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. God waited a long time, he made a full meal. 
He didn't just run inside and he's forgotten his keys. He'd made a full meal. God waited. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. That was thought to be something that meant death to see the angel of the Lord face to face. A bit like when uh, Isaiah said, Woe to me. <laughs> I am one who's dead. I'm one of unclean lips. But the Lord said to him, peace or shalom. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Peace. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. Jehovah shalom. The Lord is peace peace. Peace, do not be afraid. Some of us just need to hear that this morning, don't we? Peace, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. Peace. There are two types of peace. I want to talk about them this morning. And the circumstances that Gideon found himself in were bad. We know this from last time. He was hiding because he was scared to death. He was worried that he wasn't going to be able to eat. He was terrified of what was going to come. And actually, his question is, where is God? God, where are you in this? And the message he gets is, peace. I'm your master. I'm, you belong to me. Don't be afraid. Peace. And here he sees the angel of the Lord and is immediately afraid. But there are two types of peace. These are the two types of peace. Peace with God and peace with others. Okay? This morning, there is peace with God and peace with others, but there's also the peace of God. The peace with God and the peace of God. Two different things. But I want to start by looking at peace with God and peace with others. Isaiah 57 and verse 2 says this. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. So in other words, even in death, there's a peace. If you are walking in the right path, there's a peace that comes. We don't need to be afraid. You're not going to die. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus beat death. And it says one day we will be like him. We will be with him. We will be resurrected into new life. Peace. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. Those who walk uprightly, what does upright mean? It equals righteousness. And who is our righteousness? God. Jehovah said, can you? Isn't it amazing how it all fits together? Ooh, who'd have thought that God is a God who is creative, who is organized and orderly, as well as incredibly spontaneous. That's the word I'm looking for. What makes us right? No, who makes us right? Through faith in Christ, yeah? So those who are made right walk in peace, even in death. That's what the Bible's telling us. Peace with God is about relationship with him. It's not about religion. I know when Alex shared his testament the other week, he'd also done an article for the Evening Mail, and he phoned me up all cross 
Because he said they've called it a religion. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. You know, we used to have a minibus, a church minibus, that on the back of it paraphrased Romans chapter, um, I can't remember off the top of my head now. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? I've not, I've not been studying it for a while, I've not seen the bus. But it basically said, religion won't save you, Jesus will. Because it's that bit that says, if you believe in your heart, that God raised him from, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Religion is nothing to do with it. Faith, relationship with Jesus, the one who brings us peace, the peace of God, the peace with God is relationship with him. That end of that chapter from Isaiah goes on to say this, Isaiah 57, verses 20 to 21 says this, but the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Now, wicked sounds very strong, doesn't it? Sounds like a strong term. None of us in this room would ever say, well, actually, yes, I'm downright wicked, Johnny. You know, none of us would say that. But the word here in Hebrew actually really means restless. It means restless, not being able to be still. Not being able to, to form. You know, if you're restless, you can't form a relationship, can you? Because you go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. So when it talks about weakness, it talks about the restless. And we need to rest in God. And actually, that's what relationship is. It's resting in God. And then we get the peace with God. Can you see how it flows? Maybe we would struggle with that word. But we need to have peace with him. Otherwise, it says that mud and garbage is churned up and stirred up. What a great description of a lack of peace. Yeah? I uh, once went to Venice, literally for a day, okay, with my parents. We went on a cruise. I think we saw the Acropolis one day, Venice another day. It was quite spectacular, but you didn't get to spend any time there, really. But here's my memory, my overriding memories of Venice. Anyone else been to Venice? No? Is it a beautiful, spectacular place? <laughs> right, okay, I'll tell you my memory of Venice. It rained like crazy absolutely hammered it down, okay, which already gives you worries, doesn't it, when it's, the place is already flooded. It was absolutely wellying it down with rain. And as the boat came into the, to the little quayside, it churned up all the water. So all we got as we got off this boat was this muddy, mucky water, and there was a drowned cat floating next to the boat. That's my overriding memory of Venice. Okay? Sitting, getting off a boat, muddy, stinky, foul water with a cat. Why? Because the engine was churning and churning and churning, and that churning didn't bring any peace to the water. I'm sure if I could have landed there without any other tourists and without any other boats, it would have been beautiful. On a sunny day when everything was fine, but on a day when it was horrible, there wasn't any peace in that water. Certainly not for the cat. Sorry, Shirley. Traumatic for Shirley, the cat. Any other cat lovers as well? Do you know my other overriding memory? Ice creams and drinks were a rip-off. You know, my dad was very, very... Uh, anyone who's ever been on holiday with my dad, uh, we always had to have one drink at a meal, that was your lot. If you finished your drink before the food came, poof, tough, you had to go thirsty. You know, and, and my brother would always sit there going, because mm -hmm. he would always know these things. I was a bit more like uh, Corey would be and guzzled it down, but, you know, so I learned... Thank you. I've learned from the best. Anyway, but in Venice, 
we went to a shop, ice creams. I can't remember how much they were, but I think my dad bought one between the three of us. <laughs> because it was so expensive. You know, so Venice didn't bring me any peace. Dead cat, dirty water, expensive drinks and ice cream. What a great description of a lack of peace. Churning up the mud and the muck in our lives. You know, something that won't bring you peace is going over and over and over again the same thing that has brought you worry, that has brought you difficulty. Going over and over and over again, the stuff that is winding you up will not bring you peace. Or maybe you've been swimming in Derwent water, yeah? And you've ever, anyone been swimming in Derwent water? Maybe that's a bit closer to home. Yeah, we went in the summer and it was like, like that, it was horrible. You couldn't see the bottom, you could just see this horrible muck. And actually, it's not a pleasant thing, is it? Yet still waters are a beautiful thing, aren't they? And that's what the Bible tells us God's promise is. He leads us beside quiet waters because he is Jehovah Shalom. He is the God that is peace. He will bring us peace. Rest in him. Let him be your peace. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you get peace with God? A bit like last week, really, isn't it? How do you get right with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to experience peace, we need more of Jesus. Peace with God will lead us beside still waters. And if we reject God, then peace will be far off. If we reject him and his way and his instruction and his guidance, peace will be far off. That also includes rejecting his call. Some you might be a Christian and say, well, I've not rejected God, Johnny. I know this. But rejecting his call will not bring you peace. Look at Jonah. Look at Samson. Look at Adam. Look at Judas, to name a few. Rejecting the call of God on your life will not bring you peace. Rejecting him completely will definitely not bring you peace. So the first thing we have to do is make peace with God through Jesus Christ. We rest in him. Not striving, we rest in him. Because he is Jehovah Shalom. Now maybe that's the easy part of the peace, to make peace with God. After all, he's the almighty. He is the master. He is over all. Here's the next part of this. As well as peace with God, we need peace with others. Ooh, that's a bit harder. Peace with others. What does it say in Matthew's gospel? Blessed are the peacemakers. What's the promise of that? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Well done, RJ. You can go to the top of the class today. For they will be called sons of God. You want to be a son, like the story last week, yeah? The story last week with the sandals, the robe, and the ring. You want to be a son? Or a daughter, well, let's be, let's be politically correct, even though the son is a better thing in those days. The son, you want to be the son? Be a peacemaker. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. If I say to you, are you at peace with everybody? Does it start to churn up some of that mud and muck in a dead cat in your life? Does it start to make things a little bit more uncomfortable? Maybe sometimes that peace isn't your fault, but how are we doing at making peace? 
how are we doing at making peace? We talked about parking. We need to make peace with our neighbours. How are we doing at making peace with our family, with our friends, with those who don't like us? Do we get angry? Do we get angry? Do we hold on to hurts? Maybe, maybe you try to put things right. Or maybe you need to allow others to put things right with you. Because that's what a peacemaker is. Yeah? Somebody who puts things right with others and allows them to put things right with you. Don't stay angry. Don't stay hurt. Rest in God. Make peace with others. And then you will experience a peace that you don't understand. What does he say? Peace. You aren't going to die. Peace with God brings eternal life, brings eternal blessing. And peace with others will bring you rest in the present. I'll say that again. Peace with God brings you rest for eternity. Peace with others will bring you rest right now. Yeah? Eternity is forever, now and always. Peace with others will bring you rest right now. I'm going to keep saying this because I believe we need to hear it. Because some of us are not living at peace with others. Some of us have got gripes and groans and grumbles and moans. They might well be justified, but that doesn't make you a peacemaker. And what are the peacemakers going to be? Sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Stop staying angry. Stop holding hurt. Peace with others brings rest in the present. Peace with God will happen when we come to faith in Christ. Peace with others requires action. Yeah? Peace with others requires action. We can't just sit there and expect it to happen. We need to take action. But there is also, as well as peace with God, there is the peace of God. So peace with God is restoring relationship, coming back together with him. Peace of God is what he promises. Philippians chapter 4, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, verses 4 to 7 says these nuggets. Are we ready? I'm seeing if Corey's on, on there. I've not given him my passages this morning. He's been very good. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7. Is he still there? <laughs> I think... Okay, right. <laughs> Can I just say, well done, Corey. I think that's another life lesson here, is being honest. Okay, don't pretend. I love the fact that Corey's on our words and probably can't spell half of them. But actually, it does an amazing job every week. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Give a round of applause. Yeah. Three. Well done. Sorry, everybody else, but hey, we've got to encourage, haven't we? Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. That's because it's important. Okay? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul wasn't thinking about future Sunday school songwriters at this point. Okay? That's not what he was thinking when he wrote this. He was trying to get a message across. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Okay? Important. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about everything, but in any situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, thanksgiving, that's a bit rejoicing again, isn't it? Thanksgiving, present your request to God. What will the result of all this rejoicing and thanksgiving be? And gentleness, what will it be? 
and the peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to sum that verse up. Rejoice, be gentle, pray and give thanks as you come to him. And the peace of God will fill your life. Rejoice, be gentle, pray and give thanks as you come to him. And the peace of God will flood your life. Can't get much more simple than that. Some people don't like it when I say that rejoicing is a choice, but it is. It is. The peace of God, that's supernatural. That's not just a, a calmness. It's not just a bit of peace and quiet on a day when the kids are out somewhere or you've got time to yourself. The peace of God that passes understanding. Or as some people put it, peace so unexplainable I can hardly think. Sorry, I know you don't like that line. That's why we sing it. Peace so unexplainable I can hardly think. The peace that passes understanding. How do you get it? Rejoice, be gentle, pray and give thanks as you come to him and his peace will flood your life. What does it do? It guards your hearts and your minds. This is really important. Think about it. Anger, hate, jealousy, irritation, envy. They are all feelings that affect our headspace. Yeah? They take up accommodation in your head rent-free. Anger, hate, lust, jealousy, envy. They affect your minds and your thoughts and they come from a quite a deep place. Oops, sorry. How did that happen? Something, I'm wired, I don't know. Anger, hate, lust, envy, jealousy, envy. All feelings that come from a deep place and affect your mind. So this peace of God overcomes all of those things, yeah? Anger, hate, lust, jealousy, envy. They're overcome because the peace of God guards your heart and your mind. Wow. And yet so often we're going, how can I, how can I be at peace? How can I do this? The Bible tells us, rejoice, be gentle, give thanks as you pray. Don't just do it once. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And the peace of God. Can you imagine speaking and acting from a place of peaceful thoughts and emotions rather than anger, irritation, and all those things? Can you imagine? You don't have to just imagine. God's promises for now, when you've got peace with God, peace with others, we can experience the peace of God now in our hearts and in our minds. Where's it found? It's found in Christ Jesus. It's found in Christ Jesus. Peace. You aren't going to die. The underlying root of this word shalom, whenever it's used, is harmony of relationships. That's what it means. So if you've not got harmony in your relationships, you're not going to experience peace. Sometimes you can't help that. You can do your best to make peace, and the other person might want none of it, but at least you can be at peace, because you've attempted and you've said, peace be with you. 
peace. Or sometimes it's reconciliation that's been acted on. Or sometimes peace is the payment of a debt. That's the three different root meanings of shalom. Forgiveness. Colossians 3, verse 15. C-O-L-O-S-S. It's my fault. Colossians 3, verse 15 says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Look at that again. It's there. It's as if, I'll tell you, the Bible's annoying, isn't it? Because it keeps telling you to rejoice and be thankful. <clears throat> That's really annoying. Oh, I've got to stop that. I've got to act out peace. Let's read that again. Let the peace of Christ rule. That means that's in charge. Jesus is in charge. Rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, united, you were called to peace. And be thankful. <laughs> yeah? Peace with God. Thankfulness. Let it rule in your hearts. Not restless, angry and selfish, but peace of Christ. What is ruling in our hearts right now? Before you've come to church, what's ruling in your heart? What's been taking over in your life all morning before you've got here? What last night did you go to sleep churning up the mud and the dead cat? Gideon was scared to death. He was in the midst of oppression. He was hiding from his problems. And God came to him and said, peace, shalom. You won't die. You won't die. One thing transformed Gideon's situation. Gideon becomes that mighty warrior that God spoke over him. One thing transformed his situation. I'm going to tell you the secret. It's not really a secret. It's been in the Bible for hundreds of years. One thing. But I'll tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't a course. He wasn't sent on a course for 10 weeks to find out how to be a mighty warrior or to be at peace. Okay? It wasn't a book. It wasn't recommended a book. Okay? These are all very good things. It wasn't a sermon, although, you know, you might be thinking it is this morning. It is, but anyway. What was it? It was the peace of God. And it was peace with God. Two things. That transformed Gideon from hiding, terrified, afraid, fearful, to mighty warrior being able to stand and make a stand. The next thing he does is he smashes down all the old altars that are being built. That's pretty bold. From being a hiding away. And we see that in the New Testament with the disciples, don't we? Hiding away to suddenly being bold. Why? The peace of God and peace with God through faith in Christ. So this morning as I finish, have you got peace with God? Do you know him? Have you got relationship? Have you said, yeah, through faith in Christ? Have you said, yeah, I'm going to accept Jesus as my saviour. I am going to stand on the rock that is Jesus because that's peace with God. Have you got peace with others? Take action and put it right. Put it right. Do what you can. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And have we got the peace of God this morning? Thankfulness, gentleness, rejoicing, giving everything to him in prayer through Christ who paid the debt and gives us complete salvation. I've got to read some of those verses, I think, from Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4 in the message version to finish with the Bible. And then I just want to show you an illustration that has come about, I think it's a God incident. If Stephen Pacey was here, we'd be saying it's a God incident. 
Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4 says this in the message. So, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, are you serious about Jesus? Act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the right things in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, I do like these little asides, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up to the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. The last song, uh, the, the, the last song, what we're talking about, the last year, <laughs> in the first lockdown, there was one song that seemed to touch the whole country. And it was a song called The Blessing. And the blessing was sung, it was sung at Jake's wedding, amongst other things, but it was sung by lots of different groups that came together and recorded it to sing it over the country. And the words of that blessing came from Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. And actually, they were given, just as the Israelites were heading into a time of war, a time of great difficulty. They were given as a blessing. In, so, Jake, it was sung at your wedding. Anyway, it was a blessing given just as they were heading into a time of war. Did you hear that? Yeah, okay. Hopefully that's not the same. But this was the blessing. Number six, verses 22 to 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. That was the priests. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Wow. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Jehovah Shalom, the peace with God, peace with others so we can experience the peace of God. 